Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. This morning, uh, a message entitled Gifted. Gifted. And I don't know what you think about when you hear gifted. I think of like a child with perfect pitch. Uh, anyone here have perfect pitch in the room? Maybe if, let me know. My wife, no, she doesn't. But almost. <laughs> no, perfect pitch means it's not the movie, right? It's very different than the movie. Uh, but gifted, right? You think of a, maybe a child who has an ability or like a, a high ability to, to do math or play piano or something like that or adults um, that are just gifted in certain things or gifted to draw. And, and your mind could wander in all different directions. But this morning, the word gifted is something very intentional on God's behalf for you and for me. That he gifted something so special that you and I, like how many of you love receiving gifts? You can be honest because we're in church and you should be honest if you call yourself a Christian, Right? And it's like, if I said, listen, guys, I got you all a gift, you wouldn't just stand there like this. Like, show me what you got. No, you'd say, can I have it? Or give it to me, let me see it, right? And you open up your hand. So a gift or something that is gifted, wrapped and gifted, with the, it has an intention, that I, it's, it's for a purpose, it's not to be held or to be hoarded, but to be given away. You follow me? So God gifted us with something so precious, but the reality is, many people do this with the gift that God has given. And it's no secret, it's His Son Jesus. That He gifted us, this world, every single person, His Son Jesus. And... Today, if you're in the room or maybe listening to this one day in the future, the invitation to receive the gift is always there. It's not just a Christmas time of year kind of gift. And I need you to understand that. I know we talk about it in this way more in December usually, but every single day there's a gift. And it's his son Jesus that you don't have to go at life alone. You don't have to struggle with chaos. You can actually tap into the peace of God every single day. Why? Because he's gifted it through his son Jesus for your benefit. I don't know about you, but I'm more excited than you're, you're showing me. So I'm going to say amen because I'm grateful for the greatest gift. And God is a good God. And if you have your Bible, would you turn to Matthew chapter 2? And if you are able, would you stand to your feet today? Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read starting at verse 1. And we'll have it as well on the screen in the New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. And here is what it says. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, verse 2, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. 
King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. So here's a reference to Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And here's what it says in verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. Why? For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me why, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star They were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I know it's already anointed, but I just ask for your anointing upon me that I may communicate it the way you want us to hear it today. God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the greatest gift that you've given us through Jesus Christ. And I pray today each one of us would contemplate this gift and whether we've opened our hearts to receive it or not. But we will have an opportunity today. And for this, God, we thank you. We ask every heart be open now in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, let me just say one thing. You might say, well, why do you always ask us to stand when you read the word? And it's simply to honor God's word. If if anyone of importance, uh, politically, let's say, President Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau, President Trump, both start with T, uh, walked in, there's a, a common sense in the room that you would stand to your feet. We honor God's word and, and, and we reverence his word, so we stand to honor. That's why I say if you're able to, because I understand sometimes maybe some of us, for whatever reason, we're not able to. So we honor God's word at Weston. Can you say Amen. And we don't treat this time lightly. So let, can we lean in this morning? What do I mean? Lean in. You might feel tired. You might feel even distracted. But I'm just asking if you would give God the next 25 minutes, let's just see what he wants to speak to our hearts. So let's lean into the word today and let God speak as only he can. And so let's unpack what we read in Matthew chapter 2. Verse 1 tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, and this is during the reign of King Herod. And we also are introduced to, so these are some of the characters, then the wise men, in the Greek they were called magi, or another word is astrologers. And what's interesting about astrologers is, how many of you read the horoscope? No, don't lift your hand up. I said be honest, but I will say this, Um, If you read the horoscope, 
I, I've looked at it when I was younger, like in my dad's newspaper, and I'm like, what, like, what is this? And, and people ask, like, are you Capricorn because you're born? I'm like, yes. So I almost had to like just look at to try to understand. But people today, in, in a kind of similar way, they, they look to the stars and try to read the signs and what, what's the universe saying. And I don't understand that, to be honest. Uh, I've opened up my heart only to hear from God and his word and through his Holy Spirit. Um, and so, but here's the thing. If you're here and you read the horoscope, uh, I'm not saying you're going to hell, but I have a question for you. Do you rely more on what the horoscope will tell you about your day or your week or your month or your year? Or do you lean in to God's word? Amen? And, or you could say, ouch, because maybe you feel conviction on that point. I don't know. But, but here's the thing. God, you want to talk about stars for a second? There was one star. And it was the true star. But here's the other reality. God created all the stars. So why try to listen to what some person who tries to understand the universe and the stars, why try to listen to what they're going to tell you your future is going to be like or your day is going to be like when you could talk to the God of all creation who says, I put the stars in the sky and I know them by name. I would rather put my faith and trust in that. And so God is a great God. We've been singing that today. But here we have Jesus who's born in Bethlehem in Judea. Then we have this mention of Herod the Great. By the way, God didn't give him the name. It was the people, who, the Roman people who allowed him to be named Herod the Great. And we're going to get to him in a second. And then we have these magi, these astrologers who were called wise men. And we're going to look at some, some of these things this morning. But I believe that all of these play an important part. For what? Well, for us. That, that today I think God's going to kind of show you where you're at. And, and again, this gift is for everyone. He's been, Jesus was gifted for you today. So don't exclude yourself either. I'll say that. And so here's the thing. About these magi or wise men, I know we say three wise men. I said it to my wife yesterday, um, just because of tradition and habit. And she's like, well, the Bible didn't say that there are three, right? So why do we say three? Probably because they brought three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We read that, right? And so we kind of in our minds just say, yeah, three wise men. So there could have been two who carried all of this. There could have been many more, but we don't know. And that's not the point of the message either. But for some of us, we kind of get stuck and maybe have that question. I'm sorry, I don't have the answer for you. I wasn't around. I wasn't there to see it. We just know they brought three gifts and they were plural. So there was more than one. And so the tradition does have it, though, that these men were of high position from Parthia near the site of ancient Babylon. So this is just a bit of context about these men. So how did they know, here's the question, that the star represented the Messiah, right? Isn't that the natural thing? If they're studying stars, how did they know that this one was one that they should follow? So as I was just doing my homework and my studying, here are three possibilities. Again, we weren't around. We don't, couldn't ask them the question. Uh, but here are three possibilities. They could have been Jews who had remained in Babylon after the exile, knowing the Old Testament predictions 
of the Messiah's coming. So they could have been Jews who were still in Babylon. So they knew the Old Testament prophecies concerning this. And so they were waiting for the star. So Micah 5, we read it in our chapter 2, verse 6. But so they would have known it from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Second possibility is they may have been Eastern astrologers who studied ancient manuscripts from around the world. And because of the Jewish exile centuries earlier, they would have had copies of the Old Testament in their land. So if they weren't Jewish of Jewish descent. And then thirdly, they may have had a special message from God directing them to the Messiah. And we don't know, but those are three possibilities of why this star over other stars. But here's what we do know, that it was the right star. Amen? And they followed this star all the way to Bethlehem. Now check this. Some scholars say these wise men were each from a different land, possibly, representing the entire world bowing down before Jesus and fulfilling the prophecy that all the nations would come to him. Isaiah 11 verse 10 and Isaiah 52 verse 10. You could put the notes and then check them later. But it's interesting. But here's the other reality. That's what scholars are, are thinking. But we know that Jesus is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And we said this a few times over the last couple of weeks. But the reality is, if scholars today say 80% of Bible prophecy, as it's been recorded already in Scripture, has come to pass, surely the remaining 20% would all, according to Scripture, right? Logic would tell me if the first 80% happened according to Scripture, surely the last 20% is going to happen as well, accurately to the Word of God. And so it's amazing when we think about what God has done for you and for me. And there's heaven's approval. It's amazing to what God has done, the great lengths that he has gone for you and for me, for all mankind, for the whole world. And here's the, uh, the amazing irony. I love looking at two sides or two perspectives on things. And the irony is that these men, get this, from a faraway land, followed a star, led, it, led them all the way to Bethlehem, and they brought gifts. And it says that before they gave the gifts, they bowed down and worshipped the newborn king. Like, that's amazing. But here's the flip side of the perspective. Herod, though he said, oh, let me know where he is so I can worship him too, it was a lie. It wasn't true, just so you know, don't be fooled. And then here's the other thing. Jerusalem, this is what they did. And they couldn't comprehend how this Messiah, their Savior, they were thinking, of course, politically and from a military standpoint, how could this baby, son of Mary and Joseph the carpenter, save us as a people? And the very people that this gift was given to in their context in Bethlehem were going like this. Mm -mm. This can't be. But yet, people from far away were coming following a star of all things. They must have known, since they were astrologers, this wasn't like all the other stars we've seen. And it led them straight 
and they worshiped God. They bowed down before the newborn king and, and they brought their gifts and laid them before him. And I just wonder, you know, consider yourself for a moment. Maybe you've been raised in church, but maybe you're like this and you just have not received. You've heard the word, you've been in worship, you've been in the presence of God, but you haven't encountered him for yourself. And maybe you're like this today, but God wants you to be like this today. And I believe the opportunity is, is equal for everyone here. That this great gift, listen, people who are strung out on drugs, in addiction, and all of these things, they come, they get saved, you watch. They're passionate. They're pa Some of us, we've been in church 20 years, and we don't know what it means anymore. And we've lost the awe and the wonder of this gift. But I believe today God wants to remind you, no, no, no. I gifted my son for you, and you need to receive him like this. You need to open your heart and receive this gift. This is the irony that I find in the story, that people came from far away. They were the ones worshiping. But the very people that he first came for were like, uh-uh, it's not, not right. This isn't the gift we're waiting for. This isn't the Savior we're waiting for. And so we get this understanding from Scripture here that, that Jesus is king over the whole world. Because they came from afar, not just Judea, from which Bethlehem was located. And verse 2, it tells us, the wise men traveled hundreds of miles to see the king of the Jews. And their response, I love it, we've come to worship him. We've come to worship him. I have a question for you. Is Jesus the object of your worship? Is Jesus the one you're still worshiping? Maybe you were doing it 20 years ago. Is he still the reason you come? Is he still the reason at home when you're alone? Does he still, when you wake up, yes, you're tired. Yes, you have a to-do list. But is he still the reason in your life that you're still standing? My question is, are you still ready to worship him? Are you still ready to bow down? That was their response. We've come to worship him. And as a church, may we never lose that awe and wonder in worship. That, Lord, anything's possible. That's why when we worship, church starts at 10.30 as we gather. When we gather, it starts at 10.30. And I don't know about you, but I'm already leaning in. I'm already leaning in. Not because I'm here at 8 o'clock when my wife leads worship. But I'm leaning in because anything is possible. And that, Lord, one moment in your presence is enough for the rest of my life. If you did something, if God did something for you today in a moment, maybe it's this one thing. It can change the course of your life. If he answers the prayer that you've been asking him to answer in, the, in his presence during worship, that could change the course of your life. But my question is, are you leaning in? Or are you just going through the motions? You know, I, love, I saw passion when our kids were up here. And, and parents, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of our Western kids to see our kids worshiping. You know, I model it for my son and my daughter and my youngest son, Nathan. But it's another thing when they start lifting up a hand. It's another thing when they stand up here and sing and, and lift up hands. You, like some of us are adults and we don't do it because we think, what are people going to say? Or what if my pits are sweaty? Or, you know, we have all these real problems going on up here. 
right? Let's be honest. And so some of us don't even do it. But listen, I don't care. I don't care. If you see a little, like, don't look. Why are you looking at my pits? You should be looking up to heaven and worship. Right? Come on. We've come to worship. We're leaning in. And I was so happy to see our kids leaning in. Good job, Weston kids. Good job. And, and today, we expect, here's, here's, again, the flip side. Today, we expect God. Their response, we've come to worship him. Today's response, I, I feel I could be off on it, but this is kind of how I would characterize it. We expect God to come looking for us and explain himself to us, to prove who he is to us and give us gifts. And I feel like this is maybe where the church is at sometimes. I'm not saying Weston, I'm saying church in general. Where it's like, I'm going to do the least amount that I need to do. I'm going to get my foot in the door at church today. And God, here I am now, come and find me. Come and give me the word, give me the gift, give me the blessing. And if it's good enough, I might come back next Sunday. It's quiet. You can say amen or ouch, it's okay. But here's the reality. They came from afar to worship. Some of us are in and we're in close and we're folding our arms. When God has said, I've gifted my son for everyone. What are you doing with the gift? Have you received the gift of my son Jesus? And we're going to unpack that gift in a second. You know, here's a, an interesting thought. In this day and age, those who are wise are the ones who are still worshiping him. Because the wise men, they came, they bowed down. In today's day and age, those who are wise are the ones who are still worshiping him. I don't care how foolish. What did David say in front of his wife? She's like, you look like a fool and you're the king of Israel. And he said, woman, I will be even more undignified than this if I have to for my Lord. And he danced his crazy dance. And some of us are just a little too concerned about other people or about God doing his part. You know what? If you've come and you're leaning in, doing your part, oh, God is going to show up. Don't forget, you've walked into his house today. You walked into his house, so you're the guest, really. God is ready to move, but he wants you to know, like, how are you? Are you leaning in? How's your heart? Are you ready to receive today? And so those who are wise still seek and worship Jesus today. And here's the qualifier. Not for what you can get from his hand, but just to worship him for who he is. That's the key in worship. Hebrews 11.6 says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6. So listen, you might say, well, where is God in all of this? Well, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not my words, his words, scripture. And so the question or the onus or the ball bounces back in our court. And well, well I have to say, Jonathan, well, are you really pursuing and chasing after him? Are you really hungry for what he has? Remember, we talked about hunger a few weeks ago. The hungrier I am, the better the food tastes when I sit at the table and eat, right? Some of us were just so full that I just, I don't have, that's okay, no, I'll pass, I'll pass. And some of us are like that, we're full on the stuff the world offers, but when Jesus is like, 
you've walked into my house and we're just so full that we just let the tray pass us by. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So seek him. That's the key. Seek him. Wise men will still seek him. Then in verses 3 to 8, we get to Herod. And he's great because he called himself Herod the Great. And here's the beauty about Herod. There's nothing beautiful about him. And in fact, he was a great builder. So some of you who like construction and all of that fun stuff, you'd be like, cool. You could look up to him in this way, but in no other area of his life. And, and the Jewish people loved him. Why? Because he beautified and made the temple bigger for them. So they were they like, yeah, Herod is Herod the Great. And, and they, they bought into that lie. But the reality is he did whatever he could do. He would step on people. And he, in fact, killed people just to get what he was after in all of this. And we didn't read it today. But if you want to read the rest of chapter 2, you could see what Herod the Great actually does. He ends up killing um, all the, the boys to and under so that in hopes that he could capture Jesus in all of this. Why? Because when he had this interview with the wise men, what did they say? Oh, we've come to worship the newborn king of the Jews. And he's like, I'm Herod the Great. I'm king of the Jews. So you see the conflict? Herod was not willing to let anyone come close to be a threat. So he was actually an insecure leader. Uh, we, it doesn't say that, but insecure people will eliminate whatever opposes or is a threat to them. And that's what insecure leaders do. So Herod, though he was great, apparently great, and he would kill people to get and make sure he got what he was after was actually masking his insecurity. And I don't know who needs to hear this part, because it's not in my notes at all. But you might have insecurities in your own life. And you know the vices or the things that you do to protect yourself, that inner part that feels the insecurity. You know how you build these walls, and, and they might be invisible to us or to others, but you've built them in such a way that you're guarded and you think you're guarded, but here's the thing. In reality, you're robbing yourself of life and the joy of life. And even, I'll stretch it to say, possibly the blessing of God in your life. Maybe you've built the wall so big and so thick that not even he could penetrate it anymore. Not because he is not great, but because you've not allowed him to come close. Listen, hear me today. God can heal you of your insecurity. The gift of his son Jesus, it shatters every stronghold in your life. And I want you to hear this today. That God cares enough about you that when he sent his son, he made sure it would cover every aspect and every area of your life. Even the insecure parts. And so here's Herod. He was the builder of cities but a destroyer of people. That's Herod. I can do these really great things, but at the same time, get out of my way. No one's going to come close because I'm Herod the Great. And he was popular, like we said, among the Jews because of what he did for them with renovating the temple. And 
In verse 7 and 8, here's the interesting thing, and here's where the caution comes for us as the church, is Herod says the right thing, but he's lying. He says the right thing to the wise men. What did he say? He said, oh, when you find him, let me know where he is so I can worship him too. So he says the right thing, but he's completely lying. His heart is completely detached from his words. And you might be here today, and you might go through the right motions of playing church. You might sing, greater, greater, there's no one like you, God. La, 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 la. And it's like driving stick. It becomes second nature. You're not even thinking about what you're actually singing. You don't even, your head's in another space, and you're like, greater, greater, na, na, na. You alone are worthy, God, you are greater. It's almost done. Greater. Let me, oh, I got a notification. Like, and your heart is completely detached from worship. You're saying the right thing, but you're getting nothing in return. You're saying the right thing, but you're actually not offering any worship to God because your head is in another galaxy. When the presence of God is surely in this place. And so church, my, the whole, everything is connected to the heart today. This whole message is about the heart. Yes, it's about what God has gifted for you and for me. But we could do all the right things. And we're going to get to the, the magi and the gifts that they brought. You could bring God your best gift. A physical gift, an offering. You could have given more today in the offering than you did all year long or in your whole life. And it could just be an action that's not backed up by your heart. And to God, that's not worship. That's just a tip. And God doesn't need your money. And this is what I'll always preach. He wants your heart. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. Because if you can give him your heart... God can do anything in your life. God wants your heart. And so Herod says the right thing. But his heart is not connected to his words. He is the exact opposite. He was lying through his teeth. So again, you could bring your best gift, your best offering, but it still be disconnected from your heart and it means nothing. Look at Matthew 15, verse 8. We have this on the screen, I believe. These people, Jesus was saying, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Here's the thing. You could fool people. On paper, you are a Christian. On paper, you are a Christian. You show up, check. You tithe, you give, check. You serve, check. You could do all the right things. And on paper, I go, yeah, this, this person is, is fully devoted. But you can't fool God. You can't fool God. And Jesus was saying, listen, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are actually far. Here's the reality. God sees through the wall. God sees through all of the right actions. And he's saying, but how's your heart? Is your heart right with me today? Because that's the area of poison. And if your heart is poisoned with sin, or it's tainted, or it's one degree off, one degree off over a period of time is going to be a complete different journey than if you stayed on course 
and didn't waver or didn't veer. And God is saying, how's your heart today? Because the gift through his son Jesus is not for the mind, although it gets processed through these years, but as we hear the word, as we understand what God has done for us, it can't stay here. We don't come to church, listen, we don't come to church for just information because that will never transform your mind. It might change or transform your actions, but it will never get to your heart. The word of God has to come and it has to reach here. That's why I pray, Lord, open up our hearts. Let the seed of your word go down on fertile soil here. Not here, because I could listen with my mind and it stays right here. And that's it. I'll be like, that was, that was deep and profound. But it's just logic or it's just right here for this brain. But God's intent is for his word to go much deeper to change the core of who I am. And where does that happen? Right here. Right here. A lot of times I remember when I gave my life to Jesus... I was four years old, but later on when I was 16, that's when I started to really lean in. And I was in youth group and I was seeking, I, got, I, was, I knew I was saved, but I wanted more. I was uh, seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget the first time I started to feel the power of God get on my body, on my life. That it, it caused my body to, like my hand started to shake a little bit. And as a, as a teenager, I was kind of looking at my hand and like, that's kind of weird. Um, but I, I felt, and it went all the way down to my legs. And I, I, it felt like I was praying for 10 minutes, but it was actually two hours. And I was like, maybe that's why my legs were feeling like jello. But at the same time, I knew that there was something that I was tapping into that I hadn't tapped into in the whole 16, 15 years before that moment. And guess what? It caused me to want more of God. Was I a, a perfect 16-year-old child? No. But I started to lean in. I was like, God, I'm encountering something here that I know is you. And it's beyond what I've known before. And guess what? I turned up the spiritual temperature. I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. Truth be told. But you know what? Instead, God began to show me my passion for music. Many of you know I play drums sometimes. Um, but it's the way that I, I worship God. I, I do it here but it's like, you know, this is how I fight my battles, that song. I go on, I want to play drums for that song because this is how I fight my, I smash those drums. It's like my war cry. But this is how I worship God as a 16-year-old kid. And I said, Lord, I'm going to do this more. And here's the thing. What I thought was a gift that I developed, music, correct? It was soccer, but then I was also loving music more and more and more. So I thought I was just good at playing drums, and it was me. I, I learned how to read drum notation. I learned how to, and I just thought, me, me, Jonathan, you're good because you practice. Jonathan, you're, but when I was 18 years old at an altar, God spoke to me very clearly. And this is what he said, the gifts and passions in your life for music and drums and all that, it's not yours. I put it there. And that was the day where I was like, Lord, I want to, for the first time, I understood it now. And I said, I want to spend the rest of my life giving this back to you. The rest of my life. And I said, I don't care how it looks like, I don't, but you have my yes. And I'm going to worship you, whether it's up here from a platform, whether it's there on the drums, whether it's here on the front row, whether it's, you know, mopping up the side room here after a Friday night. 
I'm going to do it because I've given you my yes. And everything that I have is a direct result of your blessing in my life. And this is my offering back to you. So here's the thing. Before I could ever offer God my gift, I have to bow my knee and worship him. This is the order. This is the order. And what I love about Jesus is that there, ha- there is a bit of order. There is a bit of order. I skipped through my notes, but I, I wanted to say uh, one thing. That these gifts that they brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, in these gifts, by the way, they were expensive. Expensive gifts as worthy acknowledgement for a future king. So check this out. Um, gold... So we can find some symbolism in what they brought for, for someone such as Jesus who was a king by every respect because he was a special child. And here is it. Gold, a gift for royalty. Frankincense, a gift for deity. And myrrh was a spice used to anoint a body for burial. So we might think just gold, frankincense, and myrrh and think nothing more. But symbolically... You could apply them to the life of Jesus, and in it you see, no, he's royalty, so gold. No, he's fully God, and he's fully man, deity, so frankincense, and it's smelt. And then here's myrrh, which is rubbed, and myrrh was used to anoint the body for burial, which we, if you read through towards the Passion Week, you see that Jesus was anointed even before his death for burial. And it's interesting to note. So it's almost like you get the full spectrum of of Jesus' life and these gifts that they brought. But before they ever brought the gifts, what did they do? Scripture tells us. It tells us this in verse 11. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we've said it already. God doesn't need your gifts. What does he want? Your heart. I'll say it again because there's like three people in the room. God doesn't need your gifts. He wants your heart. And the genius is in the order. Think about it. The genius is in the order. Verse 11, they came to worship him. They bowed down. Then they gave the gifts. Then they gave, so God, again, you could give the gifts first, but how does that address your heart? So the genius is in the order. So start by worshiping God. How do we do that? You give him your heart. And it's not a gift, it's your life. You say, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. And if you've never prayed that prayer, I'm going to give you the opportunity in a few seconds. We're going to get there soon. But the genius is in the order. They bowed their knee. What does that mean? I bow my life before the king of kings. I surrender everything. I bow. The genius is in the order. Before I could ever try to give God something, before I can ever try to give God a worthy offering of gifts or anything, the question is, have I given him my heart? And this is what really matters. And God ensures that his gift is preserved and protected. The gift of his son Jesus. And here's the thing. Herod wanted to kill him. 
the wise men could have gone home the same way. They could have gone to Herod because he said, come and tell me. But I love what scripture tells us in verse 12. And I don't know if you caught it when you read it, but check this. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. Why? For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So God was preserving Jesus, protecting this gift, because he knew this, this is not how the story goes. Remember we talked about history is his story, which is for your story. That was last week. Well, God was doing his part all along so that you could receive this incredible gift. I'm, I just need two volunteers uh, to help me with an illustration for a second. Uh, anyone? Now, Pastor Miguel, you can't. You're paid staff. You can't, <laughs> you can't help. Okay, Catherine Rose, I need one more person. There's no, like, you know, you're not going to get wet or dirty or anything like that. I just need some, some help. Is there anyone else? Okay, Matthew. <laughs> All right, so they're both in the worship ministry department, so they, they know how to undo this. If you could, and then I'll need one person to hold one end. And then... And then just spread out on the stage, like one here, as long as it's, I just need it to look straight. Yeah, and then I need it like no slack, just pull it nice and tight. There we go. Can you all see this? I think this is a 20 foot mat, 25 feet, right? Um, you see what's in the center? Does anyone, can you eyeball this and tell me what this is? Painter's tape, correct. So for the purpose of the illustration, it's not paint, painter's tape, by the way. Right? So pull it nice and tight. Keep it tight. Don't, it's not tug of war, though. So on this side, remember, I love looking at both sides of things. On this side, this is eternity past. This is everything before you and I ever showed up on earth. This is God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit saying, let us make man in our image. God creating the world, eternity past. And we get to this painter's tape, which represents us on earth today, this earth, this life as we know it. And I'm going to come back to this in a second. But what's on this side? Does anyone know? Eternity future. Eternity future. You see, eternity goes on and on and on at both spectrums. So I was growing up, I was like, but mom, who created God? And I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure she must have gone to her room and prayed, Lord, how do I answer that question? I don't think we'll ever know how to answer the question until we get to heaven. And then we're going to all ask God, how did this happen here? But all we know is eternity past. Here's where we find ourselves. And this is eternity future. And the Bible speaks a lot about this. And how do we get here? But I want to speak about this for a second. This represents your life. You notice it's small on purpose. I could have like gone to town. I had a lot of green uh, painter's tape. And I could have done the whole wire. But we feel like life is the full thing. It's forever. We, it's so long. And yes, I pray long life over every single person. But in light of eternity, it's, it's a blip in the radar. And the reality is so many of us do everything. We work, we hustle, we grind, we run and we buy gifts. And there's nothing wrong with that we said last week. But the reality is we make everything about this. And we forget 
that there's this waiting. And we make life all about this right here. But what about life? And what about my career? What about my children? What about the investments? And what about the cars? Oh, I need a new car. I have rust now starting to show. I've got to keep up with the Joneses next door. And this is how we are trained to think. And we make life all about this. Keep pulling. Don't let go. It's too much slack. God's also giving you a workout. <laughs> but we make this the big deal. And I believe, you see, follow me for a second, God's goodness. Maybe I should stand on this side so it's easier. There we go. I'll help you hold it up. Is that God loved you and me so much that this little part right here matters a whole lot. That he said, I'm going to gift my son to the world for this blip in the radar called life for you and for me that we can say yes here to him so we can enjoy this with him forever. You have to understand this right here, like we get caught up with earthly gifts from earthly parents and we get consumed, I'll even go that far, with life here and now. And the, here's the danger. If, if we allow that to be our life for the rest of our life, we, I, my fear is we're going to forget the greatest gift that's ever been given to us, which will allow us to enjoy eternal life. And I believe Jesus today is still mighty to save, mighty to deliver, and he's here in the room through his spirit, asking us a question. Thank you guys so much. We can just drop it right there. We're good. And remember, the genius is in the order. The genius is in the order. Jesus needed to fulfill his purpose as Savior and as conquering king. So here's some scripture, and then I'm going to give you an invitation to respond today. James 1.17 says this. Every good and perfect gift is from, say it, above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. The gift he gave over 2,000 years ago is still the gift he's giving today. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. Every good and perfect gift some of you need to say that out of your own mouth. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And this is the thing. This is God's heart towards you. It's good. And it's perfect. Romans 6.23, on the other hand, listen to the contrast. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Catherine, I know you just sat down. I should have asked you to just stay at the piano. Uh, actually, no, Aaron. Where is Aaron? Are you in the room? If I could have someone come back to the piano, it doesn't matter who. If he's teaching, it's okay. Catherine Rose, you could come. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But the, here it is, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Listen to this. For the wages of sin is what? Come on. The wages of sin is? Not my opinion, not my words. This is what God is saying. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift, I love that it's free. I love that it's free. Listen, God's grace for your life, it's free, but it's not cheap. It's free, but it's not cheap. Why? It costs him everything. And so the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God. The free gift of God. The free gift of God is right here. Eternal life on this side of it. The free gift of God is eternal life. So let's just break that down. The wage. The wages of sin is death. What is a wage? It's a fixed regular payment. Usually for someone who's done service to you. It could be hourly, however that's worked out. But it's a fixed, regular payment. So what does that mean? The fixed, regular payment for sin is death. The fixed, regular payment for sin is death. And if I would ask the question, who wants to pay that up front? Anyone want to come? And you want to just give an advanced payment? No one in their right mind would come and do that, right? No one would be like, yeah, let me pay for it with death, right? But the reality is many of us sin. But here's the beauty of it. The free gift of God is eternal life. And it comes to this moment where God is just asking, I believe, every heart in the room, do you want this gift of eternal life? I've gifted my son from heaven to a manger for you do you want the free gift of God because it's the only way to eternal life Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and he wasn't excluding people or being exclusive he was just being specific because God is allowed to be specific on what he created. And God was just saying, the, the genius is in the order. You want to get to eternal life, it's through Jesus Christ. And today I'm just going to lead you. You could be here today. And I would love to lead you in a prayer of commitment where you'll ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. This is what it means though. It means you're no longer like this. It means you're like this. Lord, I receive it. And this, this, what is this? This is your heart. It's not necessarily just your hand because you could do the right actions, but this is what you have to open up today. I'm just going to invite everyone to stand on your feet. If I could ask no one to leave the sanctuary, unless it's maybe a medical emergency, that's how important this moment is in your life. And I want to lead you in a commitment prayer. And if you're here, my question is, if Jesus is God's gift for you, have you received the free gift of eternal life through Jesus? In other words, is he Lord and Savior of your life? You might be here saying, yeah, but my life is a mess. 
I didn't ask how messy or how clean your life is. The invitation is just as you are. Do you want him to be Lord and Savior? So I want to lead you in this commitment prayer. And I'm simply going to do it like this. I'm going to count to three. And I'm just going to ask you to respond by showing me your hand. And listen, I'm not here to have you stand and come to the front to embarrass anyone, uh, to point out people in the room, especially maybe if it's your first time in church. But honestly, our heart is just to connect you to Jesus. And that's simply all I'm asking. And if you're here, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. Why? Because he wants to bless you with this greatest gift that the planet has ever received. And if that's you and you say, Pastor John, count me in in that prayer. When you pray, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Maybe you're here, but you're saying, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Then on the count of three, I'm just going to invite you to lift up your hands. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hands if you want to be included. I see that that hand. Yes. I see hands. Yes. Yes. Yes at the back. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer together. Maybe you didn't have courage to lift your hand. But I want to challenge you that if this is something you're sensing in your heart, I believe God's ready to break through in your life. He's going to come and do what only he can do. But before you give him anything, give him your heart. We're going to pray together, and I'm going to invite you to say it with a loud voice because you really mean it. If you've lifted your hand especially, come on, you say it with all of your heart and pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me first. Today I give my life to you. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me clean. Be my Lord and Savior. I'm all yours. Take all my gifts. Take all my talents. Use them to reach others for your love. Bless me to be a blessing. I declare with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I confess in my heart that you raised them from the dead. Thank you that my past is my past. And you're making all things new. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, say amen in this place today. For everyone that lifted a hand. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.